You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Kensington. Welcome to those here in person and to those who are online. My name is Eva Gomez, and I am a volunteer here at Kensington. And I would like to say happy Father's Day to all the amazing dads out there. Come on, give it up for the dads. It's their day today. For those who are fathers, those who are filling the roles as fathers, and for those who might actually just have a pet as their kid, happy Father's Day to you. We're going to celebrate you more in a little bit, but let me get through all these announcements first, and then it'll be all about you. Um, This summer... A lot of our volunteers take the time to have their own vacation, right? So this is the opportunity for you to jump in. We would like for new people to join us and jump in to take that break off of those who typically serve every, every Sunday, you know, constantly. It's great how the people step up in K-Kids and support the kids. So if you have that tug in your heart and you would like to serve, please fill out this card that you received when you walked in. Tell them Eva sent you and take it over to the K-Kids Welcome Desk. If you're a mom or a caregiver looking to connect with other moms, we'd love to have you join us for our K-Kids Summer Hangout. We had our first one last week and looking forward to many more. There's no agenda or expectations. Just come hang out, bring your kids or come alone, bring a snack or just a coffee and a blanket or a chair We'll meet near the playground at George George Park, weather permitting, of course. Our next hangout is Wednesday, June 29th at 6.30 p.m. Keep in touch on our Clinton Township Kensington Kids Facebook page. If you have any questions about anything that I talked about or any upcoming events, serving opportunities, or anything Kensington, stop by the hub on your way out today. It's located right in the center of the lobby. You have amazing people with bright orange shirts and bright smiles that are love to connect with you. If today is your first time at Kensington, we have a little something for you as a way of saying thank you for being with us today. We're in our third week of defining moments. Some moments define how we view God, how we live our lives, how we live in faith, how our faith is grown. Today we're going to hear from Justin Warrens, our Birmingham lead pastor, and his defining moment. But before we get to that, I'm going to invite Adam out on stage for some Father's Day fun. Come on, give it up for the dance. That's pretty weak. I know Ava's got that mellow voice. It just And then you got me. So, right, it's like, here comes the loud one. Yeah, well, we're going to have a little bit of fun with a couple of our dads, and we would love for you to play along with this game. So I know we have a few of them. Will you guys come on over here to the front and follow Sonia up? Can we give it a hand for our dads who are going to participate with us? So we are going to play a game called Hero and Zero. Now, dads, listen very closely because the winner is going to get a prize. Actually, you all have something, but it's a little better depending on what place you come in. So we're going to show a clip, and the first part of the clip is going to intro us to the dad. And after that, we're going to stop it and see if the dad is a hero or a zero for the end. Now, guys, go like this. An audience, I would love for you to participate. Like, help them, give them suggestions. If your dad is a hero, our thumb is up. If the dad is a zero, I think you could, yes, thumbs down. Anthony, yeah, you got to, where, can we, can we get a little extra prayer for your dad in this section? Sorry to do that, but no. All right, so Eric, can we throw that first clip up and see if this dad is a hero or a zero? Oh, isn't that adorable? Bouncing the baby on the ball. All right, guys, what do we think? 
Oh, we got, we got two downs and one up. All right, let's see what happens. Oh. Okay, it popped, but he dropped him too, right? Like dropped baby. So, okay, I think we had two rights, one wrong. All right, yeah. The tallies, pray for that family member, right? All right, let's, let's see number two. Daddy, do my hair. Da- All right, hold up. Daddy, do your hair. Words that no father wants to hear, right? Like I know where I would end up, but yeah. All right, we got two downs and, all right, two ups and a down. All right, let's check out this dad and see how he handles it. Daddy, do my hair. No problems. Hey! Listen, I feel like a lot of the moms in the room didn't think that was going to good space, but that worked out, right? Like, I'm going to get the shot back home when I try that with, with Quinn. We'll see. Maybe I'll videotape it, and I'll put it on our Kensington page. How about that, right? So, um, do we, what's our scores? So, we got a couple of positives? All right, all right, that's all right. Come back, kid. You're on it. All right, next video. Okay, guys, he's tossing the candy in the air. What do you think? We've got one hero and two zeros. We have a theme. Are you sure you don't want to follow the crowd, Anthony? Okay, let's get him. All right, let's see what happens. Oh. I love how he fixes it, right, too? Like, just, yeah, we'll put it back up. So a couple of zeros you got on the board. All right, all right, how about one more? Okay, bouncing on a trampoline. Where could this possibly... Yes, first one in and a zero. All right, two zeros, one hero. Let's see. You see those children? That's not a look of concern for their father. They're pretty upset that he broke the trampoline, right? That's, That's what it is. Okay, I think we have one more. One more. Oh, no, two more. Sorry, two more. Wait, where's my piece? Okay. Do we have dad being a hero or a zero? Three heroes. All right, let's see it. Hey! How about that, dad? Quick hands. Okay, we do have one more. One more of dad being a hero or a zero. Don't put your foot back. Just a minute, sweetheart. I'll be right with you, okay? Stay right there. Put your arms out. Oh, the trust fall. What could go wrong with this, right, everybody? We've got two zeros. Oh, and one hero. Okay, let's see what happens. Daddy. And you're out, right? All right. Okay, what was our score? Sonia, did you keep track? Scott came in first. Gary in second and pulling up the rear with a very respectable couple of points. Is it though? So for first place, we got a Home Depot gift card, right? Because what dad doesn't like Home Depot? And in second place, we have a Starbucks gift card, right? There you go. And for third place, no Father's Day experience is complete without a necktie. Am I right? So actually, we don't have a necktie. Nobody goes home. We've got some Kensington swag. But could you all give it up for our dads here today? Thank you guys for playing along. Appreciate you. Happy Father's Day. Hopefully your families will be spoiling when you get home. So, hey, thanks for playing along with us. I'm going to get rid of the necktie. Ooh, sorry, Sonia. Didn't mean to 
take her out. Hey, so today's Father's Day, which is an awesome, but a lot of you don't know that today is actually another holiday called Juneteenth. And I don't know if you've seen this shirt I have on. It's a little different than what I normally wear, but it says Juneteenth, Black American Independence Day. And we think that this is a day that we should celebrate. And some of you aren't familiar with Juneteenth, and that's okay. It actually only became a federal holiday last year. And it's a celebration of when slavery ended and the news of it ending finally reached the furthest part of our union by soldiers in Texas because some people weren't going to follow through on the, uh, the written law of Abraham Lincoln. So the, the soldiers and the, the troops actually went and freed these people. And we just think that that's something that should be celebrated. I know for some of you, yes, you've been known that that's a holiday for quite some time because here's the thing. This is a little bit of a life philosophy for me that some people who have uh, been better and helped me along the way, it's this idea that leaders are learners. And the whole theme is, you know, as we grow and as we continue to lead, that we also grow in our ability to think and understand what you'd think was be normal. But a lot of people would say, no, I am the leader. Therefore, I don't need to uh, learn a lot more because I've already been put in this position. So how does that connect to Juneteenth? Well, this is how it was for me. The past couple of years have been a journey for me understanding that not everybody has the same experience in this country that I have had. You see, my assumption is because we didn't have slavery any longer and even some of the racist, bigoted laws in the 60s and time before were removed that everybody's experience was the same as mine was. Right? And I've just come to understand through having conversations with people that that's just not been the case, that everybody's experience in America isn't what mine has been. And to see, the thing is, we say from here stage a lot that we believe people are made in God's image. It's this thing called the Imago Dei. And very simply what it means is everybody has the same exact value in them because we are created in God's image. And it doesn't matter if we're black, white, brown, purple, green, or any other color. Yeah, you can throw an amen in that and a hand clap. But we also want to understand that just because that's happened, it doesn't mean what, that's what everybody's experience is. And we want to be a community that presses into this because we think that this theme of justice and mercy is very clearly spoken of in the Bible. One of my favorite scriptures on this topic is Micah 6, 8. And in it, the prophet says this, right? This is what love requires, this is what is required of you. Is God speaking to the people, says that you love justice, that you love mercy, and you walk humbly with your God. And I think if you take those two and you merge it together, you can come with this one line. And it's not an original thought to me, but it's what does love require of me? Because see, if you're a follower of Jesus and you genuinely love him, that drives us to an action. So when we look around our society and we see that people, even though a lot of this awful stuff is gone, aren't treated the same way that we press into that issue. But we do it because we want to see justice, but with a loving heart and also humbly. So my hope is that our church would be a group of people that presses into this issue. So when Juneteenth rolls around, we think that it's something that should be celebrated and that it's just as big a deal as Father's Day. So I want to go ahead and take a moment just to pray, and then we're going to continue on our service today. Lord, I'm thankful for where we grew up, and I'm also thankful for the way that you've spoken into my life and you start to show me certain things because my perspective was off. And not that that was anything that I I've done or anything wrong, but I think that you want people, um, man, to be treated because they're made in your image and not well and not for any other, any other negative reason. So my prayer is that as we see that, that we would press in, that we would take opportunities to really just ask people and talk to you and consider how our experience might be different and what would it look like for us to push into that? Because here's the truth. That's when darkness gets pushed back and the light comes in. We ask all that in Jesus name. Amen. Well, before we go any further, why don't you go ahead, stand up, and say hello to a couple people around you, and then we'll continue on.
Good morning, everyone, and happy Father's Day. I hope you all are having a beautiful morning so far. And we're going to sing a song for you right now called Humble and Kind by Tim McGraw. And some of you may be familiar with that song, but if you're not, um, this song was written from the perspective of a parent telling their child all the things they wish they would know and carry with them throughout their lives. And um, when I was learning this song and listening to the lyrics, I think the thing that stuck with me the most is the idea of kindness and how important it is to try your best to just be a good and kind person because you never know how that can impact someone else's life for the better. And a lot of things in this song um, that we're going to hear in a minute is um, reminds me a lot of my own father and the things that he would teach me and say to me throughout my life and still does. And, um, you know, I think what's really important is the people that influence us the most, um, they don't just, you know, tell us things or give us verbal advice, but they lead with that in their lives and they, they really act in that way and be that example. And anyone who knows my dad knows that he really does do that and he teaches me how to try my best to be a good person by being a good person himself. And for those of you who don't know, this is actually my dad right here on stage with me. That's Tommy on the keys. Um, we've been serving here at Kensington on the worship team for six years now, which is crazy. Um, but I just think it's cool that we get to share this moment on stage together on Father's Day. But wherever you are this morning, um, however you're feeling, let's just take a moment to um, be present and reflect on the words of this song and maybe think about what part of it sticks out to you the most and impacts you the most and carry that with you throughout the rest of the day. You know there's a light that glows by the front door Don't forget the keys under the mat When childhood stars shine Always stay humble and kind Go to church cause your mom says to Visit grandpa every chance that you can it won't be a waste of time Always stay humble and kind Hold the door, say please, say thank you Don't steal, don't cheat, don't lie I know you got mountains to climb Always stay Oh 
it's hot, eat a root beer, popsicle, shut up the AC and roll the windows down, let that summer sunshine always stay humble and kind, don't take for granted the love this life gives you, when you get where you're going, don't forget turn back around. Help the next one in line Always stay humble and kind Man, wasn't that fantastic? Hmm. Hey, that, that's a song that talks a really positive thing about a father and a daughter or a son in a relationship. But I also want to take a moment and just speak to the other side of it. Because I know on Father's Day, there's a lot of hurt revolved around that too. Like some of you are like me, dad's not here anymore. Um, or maybe your relationship with your father wasn't the things that we had hoped it should be. And I, I just want to take a moment and express that we see you, we hear you, and I know that this day can be really challenging. Um, but it's interesting, and I don't really tend to believe in coincidences that much, coincidences that much anymore, how the theme of today kind of ropes into this video and how the defining moment that we're going to be talking about is from Justin Worms, one of our lead pastors on staff here, and how about the relationship that he had with his father, which met a lot of what the world would say is good, missed on a really big mark, and what God does to bring that full circle and how he wants to introduce or maybe even reintroduce himself to all of us in some way. And we're, we're going to have an opportunity for you to receive prayer if you're struggling today, but I just really want you to hear from me. We see you and if there's something that we can do to help you, please just let us know about it. But today I want to start out by talking a little bit about perspective. Have you ever had anything that happens in your life, right? And you have this certain perspective or you think something is a certain way, but then there's an event that goes down and it dramatically changes what you thought you knew, right? Like that was my understanding when it comes to this issue of, of uh, you know, how people were treated in our country. But then just for a lighter fare, I remember in high school, um, it was my senior year, we were getting ready to be done with school. It was finals week, and our teachers told some of us that we're going to be going on to a secondary type of education, that they wanted to do something a little bit more challenging to help prepare us for college, which is what everybody wants to hear, right? Senior year, you're done, you get a couple of month break, and they're like, we're going to make it harder. So they said they were going to increase our load in order to make college a little easier. So they did that. I didn't think it was super challenging in a more significant way, but school's over. We get to college and everything seems normal. And I remember that I thought I could do what I did in high school in college and be as successful. Same success. But the problem was, is I didn't study as hard as I should have. So I take my first class, which is um, first test, which is in a psychology class 101. And if you don't know this, some of your courses early on, are, they're transitional, which means they're easier to help prepare you for what is coming. Um, anybody want to take a guess at the first grade I got at my test in college? Go ahead. You're not going to embarrass me. I'm going to tell you in a minute. C? <laughs> I wish it was a C. Think very highly of me, whoever that was. I appreciate it. See? Yeah, that's the worst grade I've ever gotten. I got a 57. Now, yeah, whoa. A 57 is not just an F. It's a bad F. It was a little, little excessive, but that's okay. But uh, so that, see, I thought that the way I studied in high school would get me through school, which was reading the chapter and briefly perusing my notes. But really quickly when I got to school, I realized my perspective had to change. 
If I was going to live in that element and think the thing that got me to this moment would continue to take me on, I was going to be in really big trouble. I was actually going to fail out of school, and this money that I was spending on my education was going to be wasted. And see, the reason I tell this story is because for many of us, we have a perspective about God. There's this perspective of who we think he is, and we assign to him what he thinks and what he believes. And a lot of times it's not actually even based in light of what we read in the Bible. It's from our relationship maybe with our father or a different church or a pastor or individual. And they've said all these things. They've done all these things. So we put God in this box, and this is where he lives for us. But the reality is, is if we've missed something... That's going to taint our view of him. It's going to affect how we think of him and how we view him, which is going to dramatically affect not only that, but how we approach him. But see, what I think God wants to do is he wants to take that perspective, especially when it's wrong, and he wants to bring it to the surface, and he wants to mix it around to show us who it is that he really is. And today, in Justin's story, that is what we're going to be talking about. But before we go any further, I do want to take a moment and receive this morning's offering. Let me start by saying, if you're a guest, we don't want you to feel like you need to participate in this part of our service. But for those of you who are on mission, first, thank you for what you do. I think you heard a couple of weeks ago that we were trying to press into this thing we have called No Child, which is where the finances that we receive go overseas and they sponsor kids in other countries who don't get, uh, who just don't have the basic things that we would think are normal. Uh, a high school education, clean food and water. And because of you, people in our church, there's a significant number of children who are now receiving these things that we would say are basic. And the great thing about that is once we meet that basic need, we're then able to press into them with the message of Jesus. So thank you for those of you who give and serve because you have set up the structure that allows us to do that. And if you want to contribute to that today, you know there's boxes in the back. You can download our app, text the number on the screen, go online or mail a check. But I just really want to start by saying thank you because all of the good we do, all of the positive that moves the kingdom forward is only possible because of every single one of you sitting in the seat. So thank you for what it is you do. Now, as I said, my friend Justin Warrens is going to be sharing a little bit of his story today. And in his, vid his video, we get to see the perspective he had on God and what God started to do in his life to change that, to recorrect his thinking so he could see him for who he is. Let's go ahead and watch this together. When we call God Father, how does it make you feel? Does it give you a pit in your stomach? Maybe your father was absent when you were a kid. Maybe he didn't treat you well. Or maybe he was just a little hard to please. Our human relationships, especially with our parents and authority figures, directly impact the way we view God and how we perceive ourselves. What if we were able to hear what God says about us? What if we saw ourselves as he sees us? I grew up in a loving home, uh, a very engaged home. I was a soccer player, and I loved to play soccer. I loved to be out on that field and, uh, and just enjoy uh, being with my friends and having fun. And so Sunday mornings, we're just sleep in and uh, watch cartoons, play soccer, you know. And then uh, as, as we started to get a little bit older, I remember my parents, my mom specifically saying, I want to take our family back to church. And so I started to find myself involved in small group and attending church because I wanted to and serving. And so when I went off to college and I'm at Michigan State, I got invited to be a part of a community and I got asked to go on this retreat. 
And, uh, and so I said, yes, because I wanted to meet people. I wanted to connect with people. And I really wanted to play some ultimate Frisbee with some friends. And so I go on this retreat and we're at this random uh, kind of old school retreat, smelled not great. We're, we're kind of meeting in this cafetorium. So I find this folding chair and I sit in the back. And, and I remember uh, that the pastor who's kind of leading us this entire weekend, he starts to talk about this uh, practice of the Jewish community called Shabbat, this practice of gathering together on Friday nights to experience dinner together, to kind of pause, to slow down, uh, to see each other. And I remember as he begins to lean into this moment and teach that I'm starting to be drawn into what he's saying. As he began to describe the Shabbat dinner where they would gather together around a meal and they would share and break bread and they would share it with one another and they would share stories and prayers and songs. All of a sudden, this, this image of what this moment for families was like began to kind of stir my heart and I felt myself just being drawn closer and closer. And, and as KB began to describe some of the moments in the Shabbat dinner, I noticed my heart began to soften. And he started to describe this one moment that would happen at the Shabbat dinner. This one moment where a dad would look at each one of his children and he would pull his children close. And I remember KB putting his hands out like he was grabbing somebody's face, like grabbing one of his son's faces. And he would say, and what, what this father would do is he'd pull this child close and he would look at them. And in that moment, he would speak a word of encouragement over them. He would tell that child what he saw them do that week. And then he would tell that child how much he loved them. And as, as KB did that, my heart just started to, to leap. And uh, tears started to, to stream down my face. Because the next thing that KB said started to break something in me that I didn't know was hurting, that I didn't know that I'd been struggling with. In that moment, he looked with his hands just in that space and he goes, and by the way, this is what God does for us every single day. God the Father brings us closer and he speaks words of encouragement in life and he tells us how much he loves us and um, it was kind of like the, the, the moment stopped and I started thinking about my life and started to realize you know I, I grew up in this very loving home a very kind home a, a home that was filled with words of I'm proud of you you did a good job words of approval but words that always felt like I had to earn. There was this moment where I started to realize that I couldn't remember one time my dad said the word, I love you. I could remember times where he said, I'm proud of you. Um, you did a good job. But in that moment, in that image of a father who draws his child, his son close and tells them that they are loved for who they are, not just what they've done. I broke. It was like this foundation of everything that I've strived for in life, everything I was building my life around, approval and identity and gaining accolades and being celebrated. It wasn't enough. 
And so I just wept. I remember leaving that chair that day and seeing the world totally different. And then it, it started to do something in me where I started to kind of like, I went through different phases of being bitter and sad that I didn't hear those words and how much I longed to hear those words. But as I started to kind of walk outside, as I started to walk around that campground that day, I felt like there was this other image that started to kind of bubble up, kind of rise to the surface. And it was the image of, of God kind of leaning in and whispering to me, he goes, but I say that to you, I love you. I see you. And you have all the approval in me. It's interesting. Um, you know, Justin talked about this perspective that he had from his father, and he didn't even know it was inside of him until this moment where he starts to see somebody else interacting with another child, not him, not his relation, and that started to bring something to the surface. And then he talked about how it broke, and I think a lot of times when we hear of a break, it's bad. We think that that moment where something is getting broken, something is starting to be beat on in a way is bad, but reality is that was God. God was coming into the trauma, the, the deep parts of him that were hurt, and he was bringing it to the surface because he had a work that he wanted to do in Justin. And in that moment, he started to speak into those things that Justin hadn't received. Some of the things that he had probably wished that had happened, but hadn't. And in talking with Justin and reading through his notes, he, he mentioned a book by A.W. Tozer called Knowledge of the Holy. And in reading this book, it challenged him to change his perspective when it came to God. And while he was reading this book, there was a quote. There was a quote that was inside it. And when he, when he read it, he just couldn't shake the idea. It was like it held on deep inside of him because there was something God wanted to do in him through this. And this is what that quote was. Tozer says this, when it comes into our minds what we think about God, the most, in, excuse me, let me start over. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Without a doubt, the mightiest thought the mind can entertain is the thought of God, and the weightiest word in any language is its word for God. You see, what we think about God, what we believe about him, the assumptions we make, the attributes we assign to him is going to be one of the most significant things that defines us, right? So whether we think that he's good or that he loves us or that he doesn't, that is going to have a pretty significant, I would say, massive impact on our life. But there's a question for us to ask in that, right? What if we think, what if what we think about God is wrong? What if we've missed the mark? What if we've let what our father or a friend or a pastor or another church define God as is incorrect because it didn't line up with what he's actually said in his word? You see, when those things get inside of us, when we have that weighing us down, it starts to affect how we view God. And if we view God in a different way, it will also determine how we approach him. If we think God is angry or harsh, we're not going to come to him in the same manner. If we think that we have to do and achieve, it's going to taint our relationship with God, and it's actually going to create an obstruction. And what that obstruction does is it doesn't let us see him for who he fully is. Like some of us have experienced God in tremendous ways. Like maybe you were as a child and you grew up and you had a mom and a dad that pressed in in a church experience that did it so well. Can I just share that wasn't my experience and it wasn't actually based on my mom or dad. It was my misinterpretation of what I heard. 
You see, the way I thought it was is that God was, like, God loved me, but then there was all this good that he wanted me to do, which is kind of true, but my value was determined by what I did. That God's love and his affection for me was only like high when I did those things. But when I messed up and when I stumbled in a wrong, he was kind of that mean father, right? The ready was ready to come and correct. And that taint, that affected the way I viewed God. That obstruction got in the way of our relationship with him. So in saying that, I feel like I've made a pretty argument. But then that asks, leads to this question. How do we get a good understanding of God? How can we come to this place where whatever somebody has taught us, whatever has been described, if it's wrong, we can kind of remove that from the fray and actually learn and listen what it is that God says, not only about this world, but about us specifically, and then live in light of that and take the freedom that it offers. Because I just got to say, my guess is a lot of us don't feel living under God necessarily offers freedom. That it's kind of binding, it's shackling, like there's these limitations that he brings on us. And we do that because there are rules and there's things that we should do. But they've been taught to us or implied in such a way that they actually bind us. When the reality is when God set this up, he created us. And he knows what will genuinely bring true life and freedom. So he wants us to walk into that. But because of how it's been presented to us or for whatever reason, we don't see it that way. We see it as dramatically different. And I believe there's a very distinct, distinct way that we can understand God's real character. And the way we do that is we look at the life of Jesus. You see, Jesus, when he came to earth, this thing happened called the incarnation. And I know some of you know what that is, but very simply, it means that God left heaven and came down to earth in a form of human. Fully God, but fully man, the incarnation. So when Jesus came down to earth, we can look at his life. We can look at how he interacted with the religious leaders, the pastors, the teachers of the day who kind of messed up what it was he was trying to say. We can look at how he interacted with Pharisees or tax collectors, which were the biggest sinners of the day, or the prophets. And the way that you see, the way I see Jesus treated them is how he would treat us. And we see how he felt and loved on them is the exact same way that he feels and loves about us. And there's, if you want to go home and do this a little on your own, we're going to talk about one specific example today. There's four books called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're the first four books of the New Testament. And what they are is they are the accounts of people who are either right alongside Jesus or friends of his or friends of people that were with him. And they're writing the details of his life. And in those moments, we get to see what God thinks of us because the way Jesus treats those people is exactly how he would treat all of us. And today, we're going to look at an account of him in this famous event called the Last Supper. You see, his disciples even kind of had it a little bit wrong. And in this moment, Jesus slows down and he talks to them about this issue so they could see what he was like. Because Jesus knew when their lives were transformed, they could then press into this world in such a way. So we're going to be in John chapter 14, verses 8 through 11. And this is what the text says. Philip, one of Jesus' disciples, said, Lord, Show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking him, me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am the Father, in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but the Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work that you have seen me do. You see, the disciples followed Jesus for three years. They interacted with him day after day, week after week, and they had the exact same problem that we have now. 
right? They had misconceptions. You see, they grew up in kind of religious school. They knew a lot about the Old Testament. But in the teachings that they had received, in the learnings that they had given, there were still moments where they kind of didn't understand who God was. And in this time, Jesus is using this to recorrect their thinking because what he did for them, he then wanted them to go and do for other people. And in this moment, one of the disciples, probably all of them, still has the wrong idea about who Jesus is, right? Okay, Jesus, you're God and I get it, but not fully. But what about the Father? Show me the Father. Like, being with you has been great, but when you show me that, then I'll be all good. Then it will be okay. And in that moment, Jesus is teaching his disciples a very important truth that will dramatically change their life. You see, they're saying, how do we know the Father? And I just, man, this is how I imagine Jesus. Because we read this, and we can put a context to it, and it really determines what happens. Like, Jesus is like, come on, Philip! Right, like, I've been with you. How did you miss it? But I don't think that's how Jesus communicated. Man, I think Jesus, maybe the way that uh, Justin talked about that guy grabbing his child's head in the most endearing way, he's like, oh, Philip, no, you've missed it. Like, when you see me, and he was patient, when you see the Father, we are one. See, this, uh, they were celebrating something called Shabbat dinner, which is what Justin alluded to, which was something very prevalent in the Jewish culture. It was a meal, a feast, that celebrated them being released from slavery in Egypt into this land, the good land, the land of the milk and honey. But the, I'm not much for the Greek or Hebrew in practically breaking that out, but the root word for Shabbat means to cease. And the reason I love John's account of the Last Supper is most of the other passages kind of talk about it quickly, but we get such a greater context to the conversation that Jesus has. And what he does in this moment, he slows down. He sits with his disciples because he knows they have misconceptions about God and about who he is. So he wants to take this time to rewrite their thinking, to remind them about who he is, just like he did for Justin in that video. Did you catch that? There's this moment where Justin's upset. And he's hurt because of the trauma that he's experienced in his past. But you know what happens in that moment? God leans in and he says, no, no. Remember what I did for you. See, a lot of us don't think that God really speaks to us the way he maybe did to some of these people. I don't think that's true. Dallas Willard talks about having a conversational relationship with God, that God wants to have this relationship with every single one of us where we ask questions and we get literal answers. And I know that seems far, foreign and far away, but I believe for every single one of us, that's the relationship that God wants to invite us into, just like he did for Justin in that moment. And it's not something that's just a happenstance every now and again. No, he wants our life, our relationship to be one where he is constantly speaking to us. And yes, that happens through the word. It can happen through songs, but I think there's this still small voice where you can literally hear, maybe not audibly, but hear the voice of God. And he's inviting us all into that relationship. And part of it is so that he can restore the thinking of who he actually is based on what we know him to be. Yeah, if you want to clap for that, get it. All right. So. Now, this moment's pretty monumental for the disciples, right? Because if they get this, if they can understand it, it's going to transform who they are and change them. Which if you know anything about them, it happened. Those first four books, the disciples are kind of wishy-washy people, but then after the Gospels, there's this book called Acts. And in it, it very distinctly tells the acts of the disciples. And they weren't wimps anymore. 
They suffered floggings and beatings. Church history tells us all but one of them were martyred for their faith. And every single time, regardless of what was happening, they stood firm and they followed in their faith. And the reason for that is their perspective of God had changed. They now saw him for who he was, which transformed them. And when it transformed them, they were able to walk in this calling that he was encouraging them to live through, right? Jesus knew that his disciples had an obstructed view of who he was. And one of the reasons he came was to clean that obstruction so they could see him for who he fully was. And you and I, we all struggle with the same thing just like they do. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I were washing windows in the house. Everybody hate washing windows in the spring, or is it just me? Does anybody really love it? Like, I need your hand high. Okay, I'm going to need your help because here's the reason. Somebody put storm shutters windows on the front windows of my house. We live in Michigan. What, can somebody help me with that? And you think, no big deal. But practically, that means washing the windows is a very arduous chore. So there's, these, there's a window, and there's another window, and then there's another, and there's a screen. And they all have these little clips, and it doesn't look like anybody's moved them for about five years because I feel like I broke both of my fingers in the process of moving these. But anyway, in washing them, there's two panes, the top and the bottom. And the top one, we got crystal clear. The sun was beaming through and we could see everything, but the bottom one, we'd missed something and it was obstructed. It was dirty and we couldn't see it. It was like we hadn't washed the window. And I think that's a really good picture for a lot of our relationships with God. And follow me, this is how. I think a lot of us believe that on some level, God loves us. That he sent Jesus to die for our sins, right? And there's things that we've done wrong and when we accept that and we follow him, then we get to be with him forever. And that's that top pain the one that we can see clearly through, and the sun comes in. But then there's this bottom pane, and it's obstructed, right? We don't see what God actually thinks about it. We think he's still pretty harsh, and that if we don't you know, follow him perfectly, if we act up, that he's disappointed and he's displeased with us. And it's like we see God for who he is, but in the same point when we get down on this level, there's something that we miss. There's something that we don't understand, and the reason that we don't understand it is because our view has been obstructed. And I don't know what your obstruction is, but what I do know is just like Justin, God wants to take our obstruction, the thing that's gotten away from us walking fully into this relationship that he wants us to be a part of, and he wants to clean it so we can see clearly, just like he did for Justin and just like he has done for the disciples this is a big part of what God wants to do in our lives. And I would say, just to point this out, probably the best example of this happening is in the life of a guy in the Bible called Paul. Now, Paul was a man who knew religious law. He was a Pharisee, which meant he had the first five books of the Bible memorized. If you have a Bible, like a practical one, go home, open it up. Just go to the first five. The, it's uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You go to Deuteronomy, that's about 350 pages worth of writing. He had it memorized. This guy knew who God was. But he had some misinterpretations about him as well. Because Paul was a persecutor of people that followed Jesus. His job was actually to track them down, to beat them, to throw them in jail, to separate the children from their parents, and then even some of them have them killed. See, God's, Paul's perception was Jesus was a heretic, that he was wrong, that he shouldn't have been teaching, and as such, he tried to kill his followers, but Jesus wasn't happy to leave Paul there. So there's this moment where Paul's walking down a road to a town called Damascus. He's on another mission to take people, to throw them in jail and kill them for following Jesus. And Je Jesus meets Paul in a vision and he tells him, you've got it wrong. You've been mistaken. 
And I want to redirect your thinking. You see, Paul saw God clearly through the first window, but he didn't see him correctly in the second. And as such, Paul's actions were incredibly harmful to the kingdom of the very one he would have claimed that he wanted to follow. And in that, Paul gets transformed. His life becomes dramatically different. Paul is probably the most influential person in the history of the world other than Jesus. He writes a significant portion of the New Testament, letters to churches to help them deal with the issues they are in. And in one of those letters, he speaks to this idea of approval, which I just want to key into a minute. Because as Justin shared, he struggled with finding approval. I have struggled with the same thing. And my guess is a lot of us in this room have done the same thing. So there's this church in Galatia. And Paul writes a letter, which ends up becoming one of the books of the Bible. It's called Galatians, and this is what he says to them. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Let's zone in on that word approval for a second. What is striking about this verse is that. And this is like part of Justin's story, right? He talked about how his desire to need to find approval obstructed his view of God, right? He was looking to other places like, if I'm obedient, if I follow enough, then I'll have God's approval and then I'll feel better. But the problem with that is, is that's not the system God ever set up. So what happens is, and I'm assuming we struggle with this too, we do more or we're more obedient. And the harder we try, the worse it gets because we don't find the approval we're looking for. But when you work hard for something and it doesn't pan out the way you want it to, we leave feeling frustrated. And we take that frustration and we place it on God. And all the while he's going up there going, no, you've missed it. When I look at you, the things that you do will not make you love me any more or best. And I think God actually set it up that way on purpose. Because if we could find value in being obedient and doing things, we would keep going down that path. But God says, that's not what I want for you. So he uses the the desire that we don't find fulfillment in our heart. And he redirects us back to him like he did with Justin because then he wants to speak. Then he wants to speak and he wants to say, this is what I think about you. This is what is really true. And in that process, he wants to restore. He wants to unobstruct the view that has been obstructed in how we have viewed God. And the main way he did that, the primary way that God the Father identified who he is to all of us is through the life of Jesus. The way God spoke so that we could all see who he really was was to send Jesus When our view of God was obstructed, his response was to send Jesus. You see, Jesus came because God had gotten really messed up in people's views. And he said, I'm not going to leave them there. You see, part of this whole thing of being a disciple and a follower is Jesus, God, he brings some of those hard things, some of our trauma to the surface. But it's never because he wants to hurt us. It's because he wants to break it. He wants to break that thing that it's held us down that's been a burden. And in that process, he's actually showing us a great amount of love and compassion. Compassion that restores us to himself where we can see him for who he actually is because he has a plan and his plan is so much better for us. And the way that happens, our identity gets transformed when we get a restored view of who God really is. And I think this is a perfect message today. Let's just be honest for a second. A lot of us assign qualities to God that were demonstrated to us by our Father. That can be a really great thing, but it also has just as much capacity and capability to be a terrible thing. Because I don't care who your father was, 
All of them have missed the mark when it comes to showing us a perfect picture of who God is. But like Justin, regardless of how good or bad your dad was, the Lord wants to speak to you. Every single one of you, his desire is that you would hear his voice so that he can tell you how much he approves of you. He doesn't love his children because of what they can do for him. He loves his children because they are his. And every single one of us has been made in his image and has a certain value assigned to us because of that. I don't know if you've really thought of that, but I think maybe a little homework question would be, what, is, what would God have to do? What would it look like for him to restore? What would it look like for God to restore your view of him? In this next moment, Justin's going to walk through us what that looked like practically for him in his life. Let's go ahead and watch this together. About 20 years later, I had the opportunity uh, to go to a Shabbat dinner in a Jewish family's home. And, and um you know, it was one of these moments I was really nervous because so much of my life from that moment that, that KB mentioned this image of God the Father leaning close, I had built so much of my faith journey, so much of my identity, so much of my foundation on this image that God draws me close. So as I'm going to the Shabbat dinner, I'm nervous. Because I'm nervous of, have I, I like have these questions, these concerns, like have I built my entire faith journey off of this idea that doesn't actually exist? And so I remember walking into the door of, uh, of this family's home and I'm just waiting. Like I'm on pins and needles this entire Shabbat dinner experience, which is absolutely beautiful and absolutely joyful. There's moments of singing, there's moments of laughter, there's celebration that's happening. No technology, no nothing. You're just present with people. And, uh, but I'm waiting. All I'm doing is waiting for this one moment. I remember this moment as I see the rabbi, this father, look at each one of his children and quietly without anyone else watching, I watch him grab his child's face and bring them close and just forehead to forehead. I watch him whisper words of encouragement into his, his son's ear. And then I watch him pull his daughter close and they start to laugh and they start to giggle and they start to smile. And, and uh, I went up to that dad and I asked him, I go, what, what do you say? And he just, he goes, I pray for them. And I, and I speak you know, I tell them a few of the things that I just love about them and how unique they are. In that moment where I was giggling with my daughter, I was just so grateful for her goofiness and how I just enjoy being with her. And all of a sudden, this moment just came full circle because what happened out of that Shabbat dinner image 20 years earlier was there was moments where my dad and I started having these conversations about faith and life and love. And I saw through my dad's story. I saw his relationship with his dad and my grandfather's relationship with his dad. And I watched this journey where every single dad tried to do better, tried to love their sons and their daughters a little bit better. And all of a sudden, like through those 20 years, my faith and my life and my foundation began to build on this idea that what God does is he just draws us close. 
and speak words of life and tells us how he loves us and how we're uniquely designed. And so now as a dad, when I look at my daughters and my son, I just find moments to look at them, to bring them close and remind them of how loved they are in hopes that they will see how loved they are by God and how much he cherishes them and how he forms their identity so that they can go out in the world and encourage others in the same way. If you remember, part of Justin's story was when he saw the Shabbat dinner the first time. It was a hard experience. He talked about how he was angry and frustrated because in that moment he felt that there was something that he missed, something that he didn't receive that he should have, and in some way he was right. And I think a lot of times God brings those feelings, that hurt that sits down here because he wants to push it away. If you were here for the first week where I talked about my moment, I made this point, and I just think it's worth reiterating. There's a lot of times where we stuff this trauma and we leave it down so that we don't have to deal with it, but that's not the place God wants to leave us. He wants to bring it up, but not to, so that we can re-experience the hurt, but sometimes we have to bring it back up and feel it again so that he can wipe it away. See, and that's what he was doing for Justin. It's interesting to see it kind of come full circles. He comes back and he's anticipating what's going to happen because he knows the Shabbat. He knows there's a moment where the rabbi brings his children in close and he starts to speak words of encouragement over them. And the reality for Justin is the thing that he didn't receive that he would have wanted to. For a lot of us, what we didn't receive, God stepped in and God wants to do for every single one of us what he did for Justin. He wants to press into that moment and say, listen, you are deeply loved. And it's not because of what you can do. It's not because of how great you can perform for me. It's simply and completely because you are my child. Part of Justin's story is he thought he had to earn his father's approval in his favor. But God's message, as he so clearly and wonderfully said, is you have all the approval you need in me. The message of God is that there is nothing that gets in the way of me loving you. There is no action you could do that is so great, nor one that is so horrible, that would make him think any less of any single one of us. See, the Bible talks about this thing called perfect love, and there's a scripture where they talk about fear in this love. It's in 1 John 4, 8, and this is the way that God loves us. He says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. See, if your perception of God, if your view of him is one where there's stress and anxiety because we don't measure up, there's something that's been wrong that God has not put in that definition. His hope and his desire would be that, like, does God want us to be obedient? Absolutely. And there is positive in following him, but it's not in order to earn his favor. When God looks at every single one of us, he says, I don't care what you do. All of the favor that I could ever possibly have for you is there, and there is no action you can do, be it a wonderful, great thing or a horrendous, terrible thing that will ever make him feel any less about us than the way that he already does. Our identity does not come in what we can do for him or what the world says about us, what we can accomplish. Our identity, our value, our worth is in the fact that like that rabbi, 
takes his child and holds their face close is what God does for us. He wants to grab onto every single one of us and pull us in and says, I am crazy about you. I made you in such a way that there's these things that I absolutely want you to accomplish, but that's not why I love you. That's not why I care for you. That's part of me restoring you and inviting you into this thing called the abundant life. But in this moment, I want you to understand how deep my desire and love for you is, and it will never be based on anything you can do for me. I think that that's a great thing to hear. We're like, that sounds amazing, Adam, but practically, I have no idea how I can ever come to the place where I'd be able to hear God's voice or understand what you've said. And I think this is practically a very simple thing. I really believe, and I've pinned down on this hard, that the only part we have to play in this is to put in the effort. James chapter four, verse eight says this, if you come close to me, God speaking, if you draw close to me, I will draw close to you. See, our part is to say, here I am. I want to pursue relationship. I don't even know what it means. So I'm going to start to do a couple of these things. And it's not so that we find approval or favor in God. It's in order so that we get to know him more and he can teach us who he is. We don't let a previous church or a bad experience or a person or a father define who God is. We let him do that. And what he has said to every single one of us is this. I love you. I value you. And there is nothing that you could ever do that will make me think any more or any less of you. The verdict on that has already been cast. And it is the judgment is in. And this is what it is. God loves you. He loves you and he has a deep desire that not only that you will know him, but once you do, you won't just see that first window that's unobstructed, but you'll be able to get down here on the lower level and see him entirely and completely for who he is. See, a lot of us think that God loves us if, right? Like God loves us if I do dot, dot, dot. I don't know what your dot, dot, dot is, but I know that every single one of us has one. But can I tell you, God doesn't love you if you do dot, dot, dot. The message is actually quite a bit different than this. God says, rather, I love you if I love you, period. There is no dot, dot, dot. There is one dot. It's a close of the sentence. There is no thing any of us will ever do. I don't care if I give the best message, the band plays the best notes, you serve out in the lobby in the best way ever. That is great and God wants us involved in this because we're walking into a relationship where we're actually being transformed. But he does not look at any of us any better or worse because of the things that we do for him. The verdict is in, it has been cast and God looks at every single one of you and you listen to me on this because I know what the world says and our words beat us up in and out and they come from people sometimes with the best of intentions, but they still get it wrong. This is what God says. I love you. That is it, period. There's nothing else. And if you've not heard that, I hope that you will leave today and you'll just go and be like, hey God, this is what Adam said. I'm not sure if I believe it. Not even sure if you really wanna speak to me, but if it's true, I ask that you'll show me and you walk in that and not one time. 
You try it for a couple of weeks, a couple of months. You walk into it. Because I'm telling you, you start to walk into a relationship. God will pursue you too. The Bible says in Jeremiah, I believe it is, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. And that's a promise that God will not let return void. Pray with me. Lord, I am so thankful for what you said about me. Because the truth is, is I didn't always believe this. There's a huge part of my past, and it's still with me today, that says that I need to work, I need to obey, and that is what makes you pleased with me. That is what makes you love me. And I believe there's truth that we walk into that. And when we're obedient, you develop us and you make us more like you. And we have this thing called the abundant life, but that's not where it starts. It starts with, I love you. And that is it. That is the message that you want everybody else in this room to receive. And because you love us, there's other things that you want us to walk through. May we leave here today completely and fully understanding that. I ask it all in the mighty name of Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Hey, on your way in, you should have got um, some elements to celebrate communion. We're going to do this together. And this is that moment where we just remember what Jesus did for us on the cross that his body was beaten, his blood was shared, but I think it would be a bit of a miss to not add this thought to it, right? Like, God is amazing, and what he did was for us was so huge and so monumental, but I also want you to think of this. This was because he loved us. It's not so that we could come out and earn it. That is how God views us. So when we take this bread, and we remember Jesus' body that was broken, remember this is not contingent on what you can do for God. He did this because he loves us and for no other reason. Let's share together. It says after they'd taken the bread, they also took the cup, what was represented of his blood that was gonna be poured out. And as we share this together, remember, he didn't do this for us because there were things that we need to accomplish to earn his favor. He did it because he has a fervent, deep love for us that will never go out. As long as we draw breath on this world, Jesus is pursuing us in order to invite us into a relationship with him. Let's share together. We're going to sing a song that kind of speaks to this whole idea and message today. And as we sing it, I would love for you to join along when you feel led, but let the words wash over you and think about them. Think about a God who would say these words that the band is going to lead us in. Because I'm telling you, this is the heart of the Father. Like, I can say, message from God for you today. This is what God thinks of us. And when we catch that, it will transform us. We will have a restored view of who God is. And if a group of people can find that, man, he could set us out in this world on fire, just like he did with his disciples a couple of thousand years ago. So please stand up and sing this along or let it flow over you as we finish out our day with one more song.
sing part of that one more time. Like, I just feel that this is a message that needs to be left over us. Like, listen to me. In the Old Testament, they used to do this thing called blessing, where they would speak blessing over people, and it was an encouragement. And I just believe in this world that we live in that that doesn't exist. So I'm going to get down. The band's going to come forward, and we're going to sing that end one more time. This is where God, He doesn't want to leave us in this space. Like, there's something God wants to do in your heart, and I hope as these words are sung over you that you will realize this is the heart of the Father toward us. So I hope that you'll join me. We're going to sing this through one more time, and I'm going to come back and close us out. But as we do, just remember, this isn't what Adam says. This is what God says, isn't it? What would happen in my life if we would start to live in this? Let's sing this together one more time.
listen, every single one of us carries baggage in a lot of ways. And we all have baggage as it connects to what we think about God. But here's the thing. God wants to take us and he wants to pull all that baggage away so that we can clearly see who he is. You see, that's what his love does. His love doesn't leave us where he finds us. And my hope is that today you'll understand whatever your experience is, whatever's been spoken over you, God wants to take that. He wants to bring it to the surface and wipe it away so that we can see him clearly with an unobstructed view. Because when that happens, something inside of us will change and there will be a freedom that you never thought was possible that could only come with Jesus. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Happy Father's Day and happy Juneteenth. We would like to invite you back next week. We're gonna be in part four, which is our final part of our Defining Moment series. Um, I'm gonna be talking through this topic with prayer as it relates to one of our pastors. But until then, have a great Sunday. Thanks for being with us and hopefully we'll see you all back here next time. Thanks everybody. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.